one of the most thing that's is that whenever you're filming or whenever you're you're planning to work on a story of 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 someone and and you don't know the person but all of a sudden whenever you start rolling the camera and you hear this person start sharing their story they might be maybe hiv positive uh or they might be telling their story of struggle what they had or maybe there might be single mom and you see all this kind of story uh, of resilience from people it's kind of like i don't know it gives me a lot of courage to to keep doing what i got to do and and that's one of the thing that i feel like i can't i can't give up on filmmaking it's like one of those is that that kind of craft that keeps building you and shaping you as a person Thank you for tuning in to IPU Podcast. IPU stands for Immigrants Pursuit of Umunezero. Umunezero is Kenyan's word for happiness. Did you know that next to hunger and thirst, our most basic human need is for storytelling? Here at IPU, we believe in the power of storytelling. Join us as we share inspiring stories of immigrants who found and are following their passion. We hope these stories will teach, inspire, motivate, and challenge you. I am your host, Jay Tessie. Today's special guest is a passionate filmmaker and photographer. He is currently building his own multimedia company and creating a major film about the struggles of refugees in the US. I for one am really excited about that film. Welcome to the show, Gush and Carmel. How are you doing? Hey, hey. I'm doing good. How's it going over there in Denver? I missed that place already. I know it's doing good. Uh there's just uh it's getting a little sunny. So uh for pretty much the whole times we we're just going to have a lot of suns. And yeah, why uh, do you yeah. say that like it's a problem? I wish I had as much sun as you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I miss the snow sometimes cuz uh I just couple weeks ago I went uh, up in the mountain to to do some snowboarding. Mhm. And I felt like it was so much fun. So I was like, I don't want this song to come out. Oh my god, I, I'm done talking to you. I can't even. No, <laughs> we're gonna disagree on that conversation altogether. So before we get into uh, the your journey and your amazing story, can you introduce yourself to our listeners in your own words, please? Yes. Uh, my name is Goshen Carmel. Uh. I'm originally from Congo. Uh currently I'm living in Denver, Colorado. Uh I'm a filmmaker, I'm a photographer, and I like to tell stories of uh immigrants, immigrants in general. Sometimes uh I like to tell those kind of story because uh I came myself I came to the United States as a refugee. Uh so my story is kind of like my my background is kind of like a platform that helps me to tell stories of other refugees. So uh yeah that's what I'm passionate about and that's what I love to do. Uh I'm hoping to start a company uh a multimedia company and uh yeah to tell stories of of immigrants of refugees of people who are have inspiring story to to tell others to inspire other people so yeah. Nice. So you mentioned you're from Congo but your name is Goshen Carmo. Where did that name come yeah. from? Well, uh <laughs> my name came from the Bible. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh and uh 
back in the days in the Congo, uh, my dad's my dad had like a name that had a meaning in uh in Kinyarwanda. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but my dad never chose to to give us uh, his last name. Why is uh, that? Because, uh, so there was a lot of conflict going on in Congo back in the days. Um, and there was a time that's when, when like local communities were trying to like, were targeting people who kind of have, who are kind of like related by blood to people from Rwanda. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so sometimes when they would see you, they would like chase you in the streets and it'd be like, oh, you're from Rwanda. Uh, you should go back to your country because you don't belong here. You people are the one who are bringing war and troubles in our country. So we don't need you guys here. So during that time, there was all of those trouble going on. So when I was born, uh, those kind of things were still going on. And my dad's uh, decided to give us uh, names that are related to biblical names. Uh, so that's how I ended up being Goshen Carmel. Uh, Sometimes I get mistaken to be Jews. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, can I see that. <laughs> I remember, I remember uh, my second job here in the United States uh, uh, was working at a restaurant as a busser. Mm-hmm. And the boss of the restaurant was, uh, was Jewish. So uh, one day the supervisor was just walking the bus uh, and introducing like all the co-workers and people who are working there. And he came to me and it was like, this guy's name is Goshen Carmel and uh, and he's one of our new employees. We're just so excited to have him. And then the, the boss was like, after after like all the introduction, the boss was like, are you, are you Jew? I was like, no. <laughs> uh, and then, and then it was, and then she was like, are you sure you're not Jew? I was like, no, I'm originally from Congo. I was like, how, how is that happening? Someone from Congo has a Jewish name. So, so it's kind of, I don't know. Then I was like, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Then it was like, oh, that's really cool that you have that name. So, <laughs> you should yeah. have said yes. Maybe you would have gotten like a raise or something. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So basically it was, it was a way to protect you from all the. Yeah. All the violence. Happening. Okay. Yeah. So basically it was that and, and. And yeah, so I've ever since I've 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 been Goshen Carmel, and I'm like I love it. I'm like okay, that's cool. And I'm sure it's an <laughs> icebreaker. Everybody asks you that question. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people ask me that question. So, a lot of Africans. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, hmm, how are you from Congo, and that's your name? Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so going back to your childhood, you mentioned that you're an immigrant, and I know that you've been a refugee for so long you were once in Ethiopia and then you ended up in Denver do you mind sharing that story of your journey uh yeah sure uh so uh I'm not gonna give you all the details about mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. uh I just kind of go through like over the story okay. uh so basically when violence started uh in Congo uh I mean violence in the Congo in the eastern part of Congo it's kind of like an on and off thing and I grew up, even my mom was going through like a lot of hard time. They would be like, hey, you're from Congo, you're, you're, you're Tutsi, you're this, you're that. And you should go back to, to Rwanda. You don't, you don't belong here. And, and those kind of things kept like growing up and, 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 and like those violences and, and people threatening my family, my mom. And we're like, we grew up here in Congo. Uh, we're part of this community. We can't 
we can't go back in Rwanda because we don't know Rwanda. Right. Although we had family in Rwanda, we would go just there to visit. But we were born and raised in Congo, and we felt like Congo was home. was a home, was home. So, and uh, yeah, so those violences keep going on and off, on and off, on and off. And and one day we decided just to leave because our our life and my family and my mom and my siblings' life were all endangered. So we decided to to go through uh, Rwanda. Uh, from Rwanda, we went through uh, Uganda. From Uganda, we went to uh, Kenya. From Kenya, we went to uh, Ethiopia. Uh, so in 2006, that's when I remember I landed. I was in Ethiopia. And uh, in Ethiopia, there was like a very big community of uh, of uh, refugees from from all over the places. And uh, from there, that's how we, yeah, we, we were living there. And, and I lived there for like four years. And right after that, I... I was resettled here to the United States. So, yeah, ever since I've been here. With your whole family, everybody was able to come? or uh, So, half, not with all my family. So far, like, when I moved to Ethiopia, I moved there with uh, four siblings. Okay. Well, three, myself and three of siblings. Because we were a total of eight in my family. So, uh, yeah, and when we moved here to the United States, we got reunited. I got reunited with my mom uh, uh, through the... Through the the Red Cross. Oh my gosh! After how yeah. many years? Uh, I took it took about ten years. Everything. And I understand there's an interesting story behind that. You hadn't seen her in over a decade, and then the day she I mean, came, you weren't even able to see her because you had to go to the White House. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow, I don't know how you know that story, but yeah, uh... <laughs> I do my research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, the thing is that when I moved here to the United States, uh, uh, because I got separated through with the violence thing going on, so I wanted to get reunited with my mom after not seeing her for a long time. So uh, I went to the Red Cross and I asked them, hey, can you guys, uh, I want to get reunited with my mom. We got separated during the violence in Congo, and uh, and and I don't know where she's at. And and then the people at the Red Cross, the staff, they were like, we can't assure you that we can find your mom, but we can assure you that maybe she might be in one of the camps. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's you guys, that's how you guys can be, can be in contact. So a couple months after that, I mean, then I gave them uh, my mom's name and my sibling's name. And then they were like, we're going to send your mom's name and your sibling's name to camps all over Ethiopia. So uh, right after that, I mean, they sent sent all the names. And like three months or four months after that, they they contacted me. They were like, we found your mom and your mom, she's alive. I mean, it was just one of those exciting news. And they, they, they had a letter to say, your mom wrote a letter to you. And it was just exciting to, to, to hear all of those kind of news like that, it was, I mean, you you get like goosebumps. You get goosebumps when you get those kind of news. And yeah, and after that, I started I started filing for uh, for going through uh through clinics because uh, I had to get a DNA test. They had to get a blood sample and a hair sample, uh, making sure that that person I'm trying to get here to the United States is my mom. Oh wow! I mean, and 
and and yes of course she was my mom i knew that she was my mom i'm trying to bring here <laughs> yeah they did all the dna tests and they found that yeah yeah he's right that's that's uh, that's his mom so uh yeah a couple of years after that uh my mom my mom landed here but before she landed here uh i was still doing a lot of work with uh, uh local refugees and immigrants here in colorado so uh i remember that when we're still in contact, when I was still in contact with my mom, I told my mom, uh, hey mom, I'm, I'm a photographer now, I'm a videographer, I do, I've been doing this. She was like, how is that, how is that, your, your photographer? Mm-hmm. Your, dad's, your dad's never been into, into media and those kind of things. And I told her, hey, I don't know, I just find my voice in this. I find this is, this is what I want to do. Like, oh, that's cool. Then we kept in contact and then a couple months after that, I told her, mom, then she called me. She told me, "Hey, Goshen, I'm gonna be coming in Colorado uh, in September. I can't remember the date, but I remember it was in September 2016." And then, when she told me the date, mm-hmm. it was the very same date that I was I was scheduled to be at the White House. So during that time, now why I were called... you scheduled to go to the White House? So you just you just make trips to the White House? No, like... no, I didn't, I didn't make it. <laughs> Well, <laughs> I wish I could make a trip to the White House like that, but <laughs> it's because of my work here with immigrants. Mm-hmm. So the Colorado Immigration Office here in Colorado, uh, they they were re- receiving a lot of grants and offers from local immigrants. So one of I was one of those people who who submitted my my application, and uh, and they heard like, hey, this guy he's been doing a lot of work with refugees through photography through filmmaking and a couple few weeks after that they, they they came back to me and they were like hey goshen you we accepted your your application and you'll be granted a trip to go to the white house oh wow yeah i was i mean i was so excited i mean coming all the way from africa and 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 knowing that you only see the white house on tv right but right. now you're just gonna be going there and just standing where where George Washington was there, where Obama was there, where all these great president of the United States has been. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was so excited. And my family, when they heard it, I was like, man, this is really cool. I want to be a photographer too. I want to <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in mountain media. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I, told, I called my mom and I told my mom, hey, mom, do you know what? Uh, I am going to be at the White House. Then she asked, she told me, she asked me, what date are you going to be at the White House? I told her the date. I was like, she was like, well, that's the date I'm going to be in Colorado. Oh, so no. how am I going to be, how am I going to be able to see you? Then, then, I, she, then myself, I was kind of like confused. Right. I was like, I was like, I mean, I haven't seen my mom for almost 10 years. And here I have only one chance to, to, to be at the White House. Uh-huh. And then, and then I told my mom, you know, mom, I don't. I don't know if I'll ever be again at the White House. I mean, I don't know, but I'm so excited to be at the White House. I haven't seen you in a long time, but at least we keep in contact. You know that? And you know that I love you. <laughs> so you didn't consider at one point to cancel your trip. You're like, uh, Mom, I love you, but... Yeah, <laughs> I didn't consider that. I mean, I mean, it was like, man, I don't know if this is going to happen again, you know? Right. But I'm sure that I'm going to see my mom. That, okay. That I was sure for that. I was sure for that. Then, then she was like, "Okay, okay, you can go." 
then I went to the White House, and uh, it was just one of those amazing trips to be to be there. I had a tour of the White House. I had a tour. I had to meet some of the photographers of the White House. I I got a history of the White House. It was it was just amazing. Then I remember I just was talking to one of the tour guy uh, at the White House, and and I asked him, "Hey, uh, is it possible? Can I meet Obama?" <laughs> then then he he just pointed pointed his finger at Obama's office. Uh-huh. Then it was then I was like, "Can I can I just go in there and just meet him? At least just shake his hand." Then it was like, "Man, Obama right now is too busy, and and he was not scheduled for this appointment." I was like, "What a bummer." <laughs> yeah but but overall it was an excitement to 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 be there and uh i remember when i came down in denver after my trip to to, to washington I, I got to meet my mom um she came she came to the airport she drove there with my brothers and i mean it was it was just one of those feelings i mean she saw me she was like oh my gosh you guys you got so much taller you got so much taller and she hugged me for like, I mean, I can't remember like too long. Right. Like he's this person you haven't seen in a long time. And and she saw me. The last time she saw me, I was just the very same height with her. And and the next time she saw me, I'm just like, whoop, like a, you know, right. like Ten a tree. I'm just real tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she just hugged me for too long and and it was just too much emotion and love uh feeling between me and her. And and yeah, it was was just amazing so yeah yeah i'm getting like tears thinking about that moment that's amazing (laughs) so going back to um before you became a photographer yeah i understand you wanted to be a soccer player yeah (laughs) how did you switch from that to becoming a photographer well when i grew up in africa well as any kid you know we soccer is like one of like the most popular game in africa mm-hmm. and soccer is like everybody want to be i want to be like cristiano ronaldo or you want to be like joba you, you want to be like one of these superstar soccer players right and when i when i got a chance to move here to the united states i still had that dream in mind that i wanted to become a soccer player but the way things are set here in the united states to play soccer is a little hard and and I never gave up on my dream, but during those time, I, I kept practicing and practicing and we will go back. We'll go back in, in like, we'll go back all like immigrants will all go back after playing soccer. And many of like other kids who came here as refugees will tell, we start even sharing the story, how they moved here. Uh, we had kids, I had, I remember I had friends from Burma. I had friends from Nepal. I had friends like from all over the place. Mm-hmm. And they will all share the story how how it was hard even for them to live as refugees, moving to Thailand, moving to different places, and and end up here in in America. Then a uh, couple like weeks of months after that, I was uh, when I was uh, I was serving at a church. I was just a just just a regular guy going to church, and and one of the usher of the church kind of asked me, hey, do you want to, like, be filming sermons? You want to be filming sermons? I was like, uh, I've, I've never used a camera before. Mm-hmm. I never had a chance to own a camera where I was from. And 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 then and then I was like, no, you don't, you don't, you don't have any experience. You don't need, we don't need any experience. You just have to just point it, mm-hmm. point it at the person who is speaking. And I was like, sure, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Then I started filming sermons, sermons, and and all of a sudden, I started like my love for 
for filmmaking started growing there. And then right after that, uh, I started making research where I can take like filmmaking classes and learn how to edit, learn how to tell stories, learn, learn all those kind of things. And then I started going to school at a local technical college here in Denver, Emily Griffith Technical College. And from there, that's how I learned like all the basics of, uh, of filmmaking, setting up an interview, how to run an audio, uh, how to make uh, the interviewee comfortable and how to write a script, how to direct and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and ever since, and then, yeah, and ever since that's how I ended up falling in love with uh, videography. Wow. And uh, yeah, and that's how, and that's how, and ever since I feel like, you know, there's nothing that can take that away from me now. It's like I found I found what I've I've been looking for. It's, it wasn't soccer. It was it was telling stories through photography and videography. So yeah. And soccer led you to that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really amazing. So, you mentioned that you um actually took classes. Yeah. How has it transformed you as a human being? Like, do you feel, do you see any key differences before before you started getting into filmmaking and, and photography and after? Oh, has it even transformed you? Oh, yeah. One of the most things that's, is that whenever you're filming or whenever you're, you're planning to work on a story of, of, of someone and, and you don't know the person, but all of a sudden, whenever you start rolling the camera and you hear this person start sharing their story, they might be maybe HIV positive, uh, or they might be telling their story of struggle, what they had, or maybe there might be a single mom. And you see all this kind of story uh, of resilience from people. It's kind of like, I don't know, it gives me a lot of courage to to keep doing what I got to do. And and that's one of the things that I feel like I can't, I can't give up on filmmaking. It's like one of those... Is that that kind of craft that keeps building you and shaping you as a person, and and yeah, and that's that's how I'm feeling. I have I've grown so much respect in videography and photography because it's it's shaping me as a person, and I mean it's part of growth. So yeah, that's 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 how I'm, that's how it's helping me. I agree with that. I feel like that's how I feel with this podcast. You start out interviewing someone thinking you know all there is to know, but then they start sharing their story and they go into depth and you're amazed at how much someone can uh, just take. As You know what I mean? Like, there's just so much to learn from each person and it's in taking that time to listen to that person's story that you actually are, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just mind-blowing. Exactly. How much you learn. Exactly, and it kind of like builds a certain type of trust into into people, and 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 seeing like how much these people have fallen. I I have no reason to give excuses in this life, you know. Uh, as soon as I'm still breathing, as I, I have, I believe that I still have a chance to to succeed in whatever I want to do. And 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 there are so so many people in this world who have been through so many things that that I've never been through really hard things but it's just amazing whenever you're like oh my gosh you feel like you want to hug them you feel like you want to yeah you feel like you're i'm part of your life man you're being able to trust me and tell your story you're like man <laughs> i take off my hat to you respect right 
What have been the yeah. most uh, difficult interviews that you you have done so far? Uh, difficult interviews. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, I've done a lot of interviews with people. Uh, but many of the interviews that I've done are not like uh interviews of people who have been through like a lot of hard time. Mm-hmm. Most of the interviews are 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 motivational interviews that I've done with people, and and recently I was having an interview with this guy who is a who works uh, for a restaurant. He's a he's a business owner, and he's he's specified in 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 making fishes. So his restaurant is is in making fish, and one of the things is that one of the amazing story was sharing is that my my restaurant welcomes a whole kind of people. At one table, you can have one person sitting there signing a paper for divorce, and at the next table, you can have two couple uh, proposing to each other. And it was like, this is how amazing this world is. And all of these people are meeting on a table over a meal. So I, f- I felt like it was it was just it was just amazing how, I mean that story like one table people are meeting are meeting for 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 they want to start a, a love story together, mm-hmm. and other people are just taking their love story to an end. That's it. So it's yeah it's I mean those kind of stories are <laughs> yeah it's 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 hard sometimes to explain it. I can't put it to words. English is my second language. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, those kind of stories. They, I mean, yeah, they they motivates me to keep to keep going. Do you ever get any pushback? Because I know it's just in our culture not to open up a lot of times. So, do you ever yeah. get any pushback from your other uh, the refugees that you do interview sometimes that don't want to share their stories? And what techniques do you use to get them to get comfortable with you and trust you enough to share their their story with you? Uh yeah, I've gotten some push-ups, especially during my early times mm-hmm. uh, when I started videography. But I've kind of learned that uh, whenever you're trying to work on a story with people, you kind of have to build a relationship with those people. Okay. You have to know who they are, where they're from, uh, what they like, what they don't like, and kind of build a certain type of friendship with those people so that at least they can, they can, they can have some type of trust to you. And and that comes like with, especially most likely uh, Muslim Muslim people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're kind of scared of of cameras. They don't like to, their their faces to be, to be shown on on the internet or to be photographed. And many of them sometimes when they will have like, they they will open up whenever they're fasting and they will open up, their fast. I will go and share a food with them. I would like to know like what it's like to fast as a Muslim. I mean, I'm Christian myself, but I just want to learn their culture, where they're from, so that I can, I just want to build that relationship. And and that's how I end up, I end up like photographing them and so that they can, they kind of like, I'm earning a trust from them that, hey, we trust this guy. We know who this guy is. He's like a neighbor. We've shared food with him. We've played soccer with him. He's, He's a great photographer. We're sure that he's not gonna he's not gonna sell our, our pictures or do all kind of crazy thing on our picture. So we trust him. So 
So one of the things is that is just build a, a relationship with people. And this comes with like anything in life. Anything is you have to build a relationship with people so that people can can have a certain type of trust to you. So yeah. I agree with that. So you don't just pick somebody off the street like, hey, you know, you want to share your story. Actually, it, it takes time. It's a process for you to get these people on camera. Yes, it is a process. But there are some people who are still open to it. And there are some people who are still reluctant. They're like, mm, no, I don't need I don't need my picture to be taken. So I kind of like respect that sometimes. Uh, but whenever I'm telling stories, I, I usually go to the same people that have given me a chance to to, to photograph them, people that I've built a relationship with. So, yeah. Hmm. Um, speaking of pictures, we've seen an extreme shift in, in that world as a whole in the last maybe like 10 years. And yeah. everyone, you know, seems to think that they're photographers with apps like Instagram. You get those yeah. filters and all of a sudden you feel like you're a professional photographer. Yeah. What do you think will be the future of photography in the next 20 years? What is the future of photography? Yeah, with with so much technology making it so easy for anyone to be a photographer. Uh, I'm I believe that uh the future of photography. I mean, still people will still take photography of 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 things going on in their lives. Uh, but I believe that what make a picture strong or or an image strong is the story behind that image, and that's what will make uh professional photographers stand out comparing to to amateur or people who are just trying to take pictures for their daily life mm -hmm. and i'm sure that's in the next future there will still be like great i mean great camera that would take amazing pictures but we can still be amazed by how beautiful the picture is but what's the most catchy thing how to reach out to other people is how is that picture telling a story so that another human can learn something through that picture so it's just not a random picture. It's just a, a picture that is attached to a story that a human can, another human person can 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 relate to, and and that's that's kind of like, and that's what made me get into photography is because it kind of tells stories of, of of resilience. It tells stories of love. It tells it tells story of kindness. It tells story of breakups. It tells stories that that we don't, we as human don't get to speak about on a daily life. On our daily life, I talk about how I changed my pants, how my day was this, how was that. I ran today, but you don't get to speak with another human on a, on a soul level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't speak soul to soul with another person, and 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 that's where where I feel like storytellers should get to is to to be able to dig into somebody's soul and grab that story that is in that person's soul and be able to tell it to to the public. So, yeah. So I feel like that's where the professional photographer comes in. You guys are able to get in there. Yes. Gotcha. I do agree we with have that. To. <laughs> so how do you feel about filters? Do you, what is? Filters? Yeah. <laughs> I, bar I barely use filters. I don't use filters, Instagram filters. I, I just, I just use like basic, uh, I just, I just edit my pictures by my own. Okay, so you hate yeah. filters. I know a lot of professional photographers despise filters. The only time, the only time I hate filters, that's when I'm working with a client, and I just I've edited already with the pictures. People are gonna post it on on their internet, on their their Facebook page or Instagram page. They did filters, and you're like, and then they will tag you in. They're like pictures by Goshen, 
And I'm like, I didn't even put that filter on. You'll be like, <laughs> the, the, the color is unbalanced. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is not what, what I did. Everything changed. And you're like, oh my gosh. I... <laughs> so do you so... always put that as a disclaimer? Please do not use filters on my yeah, I used I do that a lot of times. Do you? Do not, yeah. <laughs> so, That's so funny. <laughs> so last but not least, um, the amazing project that you're working on right now, the major film that uh, you're creating about the struggles of refugees in the United yeah. States, is that is that going to be like an ongoing thing, or is it just one major film that you're going to do and release it? When is it coming out? What's the name of it? Tell us a little bit about that. Well, like that's like kind of like a, it's a well the film that I'm 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 still thinking to work on. It's a it's it's a long project. It's not something that I'm doing. I'm currently working on. Okay. So I'm still writing writing it. I haven't come up with a name yet. Okay. And uh, I'm still. I still have. I have to come up with like a crew, like a producer, a sound person. So there's still a lot, a lot, a lot of work that come come with that. But uh, I'm thinking to work on a short film before uh, before I join the army. Uh, I'm thinking to work just on a very short film, uh, just to highlight uh, the stories of immigrants. And pretty much the story that I'm thinking is it'll be like a very short film. It's I'm thinking of. I'm thinking to tell a story through a young man who is trying to achieve to be uh, a football player, the American football. And this young man, uh, he came here to the United States as a as an immigrant, as a refugee. And this young man, he's facing troubles because his mom and dad they're going through uh, uh, a process of divorce. So he's 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 kind of like dealing with the issue highs that that's gonna affect his life as a person. Uh, that their parents they're gonna they're gonna break up and uh and yeah that's kind of like the 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 where the the story is gonna be boiling up so uh, I'm still I'm still building up the story to see uh to see how it's gonna it's gonna come together so yeah how is this based on a true story or is it a fictional story uh it's not necessarily based on a true story. So basically, whenever I'm writing story, let's say I I, I write I'm writing story on on whatever, I usually like come up with like let's say little snippet of story from people that I've heard. Uh, so it's not like one person I've lived that has lived that life, but it's just like little story of let's say an immigrant who wanted to achieve a young man who wanted to achieve something and it never worked out because. Because whenever he came here to the U.S., he got into drugs. He got into all those kind of things. So I'm I always try to tell, like, grab a little story from each person that I've met in my life, and kind of like combine those important things and and tell it through one person, through a, a character. So yeah. I see. Yeah. The fact that you've been working with refugees for a long time, and you're a refugee yourself at one point. Um, what are some of the struggles that they're all facing? What, like, some common struggles that they're all facing that a regular person can help in those areas if if they wanted to help? Uh, well, <clears throat> whenever a refugee comes here to the United States, and this is something I've always, I've always wanted to to stress out. Uh, whenever they move here to the United States, there's a lot of culture shock that many many refugees come. Come guess not only refugees but 
any immigrants in general. Mm -hmm. They face a lot of culture shock. And and all something I always encourage like local communities, either immigrants who have been here in America for a long time, either uh, like American citizen, I mean people who were born and raised here, is to reach out to those people. Many of them they don't know how to use how to how to start a, how how to how to use a bank. Many of them don't know they don't know how how to take a bus. Many of them they're not patient with like how bureaucracy is is handled here in America. You know those very basic things will really help a lot of immigrants. You know uh, be integrated and be part of the American community. The thing is that so many sometimes some people they get they tend to to ignore refugees. Uh, but I feel like it's not it's not the way. We're we're all once immigrants. Uh, there was somebody who stepped into our life and helped us show us the way how things should be looking like. So I feel like whenever love is shown out to to us, we should pass the very same love to to the next person, and not being selfish that that you're better than the next person. We're never better. There's always somebody who's better than you. <laughs> so yeah, that is the truth. Um, yeah. speaking of, you know, when you, when you just come to the United States and the culture shock that takes place, do you have any funny stories of anything that happened to you that looking back oh. now, you're like, Oh gosh, <laughs> that you don't yeah. mind sharing? <laughs> yes, I do have a funny story. So uh, I remember during my first, my first month here in America, I mean, we were all welcomed in, in this apartment place and we walked into the house. We opened the fridge. There was a lot of canned food. We're like, oh my gosh, a lot of canned food. This this must, must be nice. And one day, all all my clothes were dirty. Mm -hmm. And and there was like a dishwashing machine there. Mm -hmm. And there was, uh, there was like a, a furnace over there. So I didn't know. I've never used a dishwashing machine. In Africa, we don't use dishwashing machine. Right. So... Uh, you use your hand to wash your dishes. Uh, I know this is a little bit embarrassing, but <laughs> I like to share a story anyhow. Yeah. So I woke up in the morning. Uh, the dishwashing machine was there. I didn't know that it was it was it was a uh, it was it was a laundry machine. I took all my clothes. I put it in the in the in the dishwashing machine. I took <laughs> I took soap and I put it in there. I was like, I hope this is how it works. I close it. I shut it down. I. I was I was looking for the setup. I said, "Oh, this is saying start." So pretty much, this is you have to press start, and it, it goes. So I pressed start. It kept rolling. It was making some weird noises. I was like, "Maybe this is washing the clothes now." Went to bed to take a nap. Got up like uh, in thirty minutes, and like there was smoke all over the house. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there was smoke all over the house. Then I went to call the 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 maintenance guy. I called him. I was like, hey, man, come. There's, like, smoke all over the house, and I put my clothes in the laundry machine. Then he came and was like, man, this is not the laundry machine. This is this is, this is a dishwashing machine. You don't put your clothes into this. I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, it looks like a laundry machine. I was like, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, okay, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I've never used it before. I was like, I used it because my, my, my clothes were dirty then. Yeah, that was it. I was, I was like, I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to be playing with any machine until I know what, what they're for. 
That is a hilarious story. Oh my gosh. Thank you so, so much yeah. for sharing, Goshen. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming. Where can people find you if they wanted to hire you for a wedding or uh, to shoot a short film or whatever the case? Where can we find you? Uh, so pretty much if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram as Goshen Imagery. Uh, both on Instagram and Facebook page is Goshen Imagery. Uh, my email is Goshen uh goshenimagery.com or goshenvids at gmail.com g-o-s-h-e-n-v-i-d at gmail.com so you can find me on all, any of those social media and uh, yeah I love to to, to, to to shoot interview, testimonial uh, all kind of stuff that would put me to work so uh, yeah perfect thank you so much and I'm sure you're your film is going to be a hit. I can't wait for you to come out. And Hopefully. Yeah, definitely. You have to come back once it's out so we can oh, yeah. we can market it and talk about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And thanks for tuning in. Until next All time. Right. All right. Thank you, Judy. You've been listening to IPU Podcast. You can follow IPU Podcast on Instagram. If you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another inspiring story. Follow your passion. It will lead you to your purpose. As always, thanks for listening. Until next time.